0: so much for coming here this morning. Um, just so you guys know, Pastor Jim and Mary, our senior leaders, they're down in Pickerington this morning. Uh, so they're going to be back here next week. I feel like I'm really far away from you guys. Not that like a foot makes a huge difference, but just to me. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, really glad that you're here today. My name is Sean O'Rourke. And so I'm our uh, senior associate pastor slash executive pastor slash whatever, all those things uh but it's it's a real honor and privilege to be here this morning and uh you know how many of you I I was trying to look around the room but I just want to see who who has gotten maybe you didn't raise your hand just then but who has gotten like a financial we use the word breakthrough like it breaks like 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 it doesn't have to be the million dollar breakthrough although that's I want to hear about those but, but, you know, the breakthrough is the thing that, that, that came through that, that alleviated a, a need that, that, that maybe brought more than enough or that that paid something you didn't see coming or just make sense. Like, I, I just want to know, like the financial breakthrough is just uh, we'll just say over two months. So what's today? So we're October, and November. Who here has gotten like financial breakthrough or maybe just financial momentum in the last two months? I, I just want to look around the room. So you've gotten a singular breakthrough, or you feel you're gaining momentum. Just look around the room right now. This is just in the last two months. Awesome! Come on, Jesus. So good. So awesome. I love hearing that. Now I want to see who has gotten physical healing in the room, physical breakthrough, physical momentum in a place that you were stuck, or you know whatever that looks like. Maybe you were sick and you got healed, or you've had a, something going wrong physically and you had breakthrough. Just raise your hand real high. I want to look around the room, you guys. Let's just give the Lord praise. Let's just give the Lord a thanks. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. You know, I mentioned this before when I started, uh, when we opened up in prayer today, is that sometimes, like, you know, I use the word, like, creating space. We need to create space just to give thanks to the Lord sometimes. Of of just taking a second and just looking around our lives, looking around the lives of those around us, and just giving God thanks, because thankfulness actually brings us into his presence. Like, thankfulness positions our hearts so that we can then begin to encounter him who's already there. So the space isn't for him, the space is for me. The, creating that space in our life and those, you know, I've heard people say, like kind of divine repetitions, that create room for me to encounter him who's already been here. And, and oftentimes, thankfulness, is just, it's just, there, there's great teachings on thankfulness, I'm not gonna talk about thankfulness today, but, but thankfulness just positions our hearts to begin to encounter him who's already there. Our thankfulness doesn't like, God's not like, oh my gosh, someone's being thankful. I'm going to come over here now. Oh, and they are not being thankful. I'm going to leave. I'm going to, thankfulness, just, he, he doesn't leave. Thankfulness just brings us into his presence who's already there. And I've seen, I've just seen, I've just seen some, some, some stuff go on with like believers where it's like, okay, yeah, thankfulness. I move into the gates with thankfulness. Wait, was the courts with thankfulness or the praise or, or which, which, which one is it? And it's like, no, no, no. Thankfulness is a posture of our hearts. And why is it important? Because when we're thankful, we're becoming like Him. We're actually, we move in, like, like He allows us to know Him in a greater way when we're thankful because it's what He's like. And Ephesians says, oh, I don't want to get there, but, Ephesians says to be like God, that when we're thankful, we actually are becoming more like Jesus, and, and, and this is what happens often is that, like that, that part of thankfulness, we wait for an event to be thankful for rather than a day to be thankful for, like we wait for something to be thankful for rather than waking up and choosing to be thankful, does that make sense? And this is insane. Th- you can be thankful. Listen, like, you can be thankful. If, if we're in the, anyone in this room right now, you're among the, like, the half percent of, the, of the, the, the wealthiest of the wealthiest of the wealthy in the history of mankind. You know that, right? Like, us in this room, to be able to sit on these amazing chairs, like, like I'm just starting from the, the lowest level I, I can in this room. Uh, carpet that isn't on fire. Thank you, Jesus. Like you know, a roof over our heads. How many of you have been to other countries or been to a, uh, an area that there was no roof uh, or or floor in a church? Thank you, Jesus, for floors and roofs. Yeah. When you know when you're in that place, it's like it's like you can find something to be thankful for. No matter if you're in the bush in Africa, if you're in 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 Target at Powell, some of you are like more thankful. I get it. You know. At a Starbucks in downtown Columbus, or in a refugee camp in Africa, there's something to be thankful for, and it has nothing to do with what's around you. it has, what, it has to do with the person who's waiting to, to, to greet you. I hope I'm making sense, because, because I say that because of this, and this is no, we're going to just shift gears here in a moment, okay, is that oftentimes God will put you in a position, that isn't what you asked for, but he's willing, he's willing to do it to see if you're thankful. Like, he's willing to do it to see what's really in your heart. He'll put you in a position. We're not talking about sin or sickness. That's not, that's, there's not authored by God, but he'll put you in positions. How many of you can relate? You've been put into a position, maybe a work situation, that it wasn't like the thing that was on top of your prayer list. It's like, you're like in this position, like, how did I get here? And maybe, you, maybe you and your boss don't see eye to eye. Maybe your coworkers are someone that is really, you know, um, we'll just say extra grace required. You know, I have news. You are that person to someone, by the way. So just a thought, you know, that you are that person to someone else. That that we have those things in our life that feel like we often are either going to pray or try to pray ourselves out of it or in that place. We find a place of his presence through thankfulness. And I see believers who, like, they'll just go from, like, like, hey, just pray for me. I got this situation. I'm, and, and after going from two, three, four, five, six different people to like, get prayer and seek breakthrough, maybe, like, God doesn't want to bring you breakthrough by changing your circumstances. Maybe he wants to bring you breakthrough by coming into your circumstances. Does that make sense? Like, like maybe he doesn't want to, to, to rescue you from a circumstance. Maybe he just wants to come in there and actually show up in your circumstance. You know, and, and it's, that, it's that, at that place of just choosing to be thankful that, that, man, I tell you what, you can move right into his presence like that. Because thankfulness is the opposite of unforgiveness. What, what unforgiveness does is find those bitter roots. Thankfulness doesn't allow your heart to go there and positions your heart to be sensitive to the Lord and to love people around you and to be grateful. How many of you know someone who's just like foolishly optimistic, like, 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 how many of you know someone who is just, who seems to be thankful all the time? Like, does anyone know anyone like that? Isn't it the most contagious thing when you're around them? After all the conviction, like, after that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, you're around that person, and I'm just like, man, I don't, like, like, like I know that your circumstances aren't right, because I have news for you. There are no right circumstances. Like, like stop waiting for your circumstances to be right. Your circumstances are right where God has you. They're right because it's where God has you. So so in that place, it's like, that person who's thankful, I'm like, I know their circumstances aren't that different from mine, or, you know, their circumstances aren't perfect, but they seem to be in such a good mood. It's like thankful people are just in good moods. Just something to think about. So what I want to do is this, is is I want to take just one minute, maybe 45 seconds, and just with someone around you, just share something you're thankful for this week. Maybe something you're thankful for. We had some healing testimonies, but something that like you're personally just thankful for over the last seven days. So Monday through today, what's one thing that you can look at and be like, yeah, I am so thankful for this or that this occurred or for that person or, or, or for, for, for this thing that happened. So just with someone around you, one or two people around you, go ahead and uh, we'll take just like 45 seconds. Just go ahead and share something that, they're th- that you're thankful for. All right, if, if you're talking and the other person hasn't talked yet, let the introvert, like, let them out. <laughs> let them talk. Just give you guys another couple seconds here. Doesn't that feel good? It just feels good. Some of you, I heard, are thankful for the Buckeyes. You're here in the Lord, really. Just. I went to Ohio State. I'm an alumni, and so uh, someone asked me the other day. You know, I like I, and I love sports. I grew up in sports, just a part of who I am. And so uh, someone asked me the other day. They're like, "Are you a football fan?" I'm like, "Yeah, I totally am." You know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not like face painting and like you know, you know. Some, some would say, someone say all. Did someone sad about that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a face painter. Uh, you know, my heart, I don't give my heart to it, but I can still enjoy it. How many of you know you can do that? Yeah. Like, it's okay. You, if you're waking up today bummed that they lost, you know, if, they were, if the team were to lose, you gave your heart to something. Yeah, yeah someone just received a little conviction there. It's okay. <laughs> but, you I mean, you know, so, so you can enjoy things in life, but not give your heart to it. You know, like my day isn't changed if win, lose, or draw of a team that I like. And so, anyway, so but someone asked me, they're like, "So you're a football fan?" I'm like, yeah, I totally am. And and uh, and they were like, "Man, I just love like games where like scores are really close." And I'm like, "I hate them." They're like, they're like, "Well, they're such good games." I'm like, "No, I like the fifty to nothing blowouts that are like <laughs> totally good. Whether whatever I'm watching, whether it's Ohio State or or a team that I like. So, anyway, so. I had a chance. Uh, I had some family in town, and my younger sister was with me this weekend, and uh, we got a chance to go. And it was just a really special time for her and I, because it was just her and I, and uh, we wound up going to uh, the football game, and, and they did great. And then we were able to go on the field, and it was just such a cool experience, you know. And so uh, I was just so grateful for being able to, 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 to be part of something like that with, like, with with my family and, and someone you care about, so I don't know about you, but I'd rather spend money. I'd rather, uh, you know, when it comes to finances, like I'd rather spend money on experiences than on gifts, even though gifts are like everyone whose gift is your love language. You're like, oh, mm, I'm just gonna be thankful that someone's gonna give me a gift that I like, of an experience that I like, but but. There's some, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I recognized a long time ago that my fondest memories or experiences, there aren't things, you know, like if you look back, maybe it's a vacation you went or maybe a, 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 a someone's birthday or, or a holiday together or most of my memories and fondest or things are experiences. And so it's just so much fun when you have an opportunity to just do something. So anyway, side note. Okay. Um, Are you guys okay? Are you guys good for like 20 minutes? And, and what I want to do is, uh, how many of you have been here the last two weeks with Pastor Jim, teaching on healing and just kind of reopening that scroll a little bit and, and going after it? You know, we've been, we've been really talking a good bit about kingly and priestly. Do you guys remember some of this? About really marrying the two of those things together, about what is a kingly calling and what is that priestly calling on our lives? And so this morning, I just want to touch on, we're going to do just a, we're going to skim the surface of this. And my, 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 my prayer, my goal today is that hopefully this, we leave here today uh, uh, wanting to, to go down the rabbit hole more. That, 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 that this will, I'm hoping that this, you know, wets our appetite, that this arouses our, our sweet tooth, so to speak, for what it is of, of, of a priestly calling in God. So today I want to talk about an uncommon priesthood. Um, how many of you are, you know, when you, when you think about priests, do you think about, um, you know, the Catholic Church with uh, all the gear and the, 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 white, the white thingy here? I forget what it's called right now. You know, you, you know the, all, the, all the ornate, like, things and the hats and, like, the, 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 the gowns and, 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 and all the, 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 the ritualistic ways that whether it's a Catholic church or maybe it's a, a Jewish synagogue— uh, when, I, when I think of priest, I usually think of someone, like, I don't think of someone in jeans and a t-shirt. Am I alone in that? Then when, when I think of that word priest, I think of something that is, um, that's really set apart, and that is, uh, for me, a little bit foreign in the way that I've seen it done. So for me, I really needed help understanding and, 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 and relating to a priestly calling, And I have news for you. Yes, I'm a pastor, but everyone in this room, we share in a priestly calling. And that was something, so some people can connect really quickly, like a kingly thing, or like, I had a hard time just connecting because I had these barriers of what I've seen that always seemed really foreign to me. Can anyone else relate to that? And and so for me, I needed to discover what a priestly calling looks like in God that was something that I could wear jeans and walk in a priestly calling. Does that make sense? That there's an everyday part of our relationship with God that looks like a priestly calling. And so I, wanted, so I was reading the scriptures and really trying to discover, where is Jesus, where is that priestly thing being revealed through Jesus? Go ahead and open up your Bibles. To I'm going to read a couple verses. A couple we'll have overhead, but 1 Peter 2, 9. It's a really known passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I think we'll have it overhead as well. And so it says this, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. So, there. This is a really famous one. There, like we're a chosen pe- priesthood, we're royalty, but it's like you're a royal priesthood. We're we're not just walking around. We're actually the context of that is we're a royal priesthood, and often like that priesthood part doesn't get unpacked in a great way. Royalty, you're a son or a daughter, you're a kid, but you're. You have to understand your royalties in the context of being a priest that what you have to give away that priests are those who minister to God and and and, and feed the world just just stay with me in some of these illustrations and so so our calling we are in, in a royal priesthood that means that we have a kingly call to carry out the ministering to the world. just follow me for for a second here you know and so so when I'm reading through this and I'm trying to discover, okay, Jesus, uh, I want to walk in that priestly calling. So when I think of priestly stuff, I think of like signs and wonders. I don't think of the ritualistic things once I, once I see it in the life of Jesus, because I don't see Jesus doing ritualistic things. I see Jesus healing the sick. I see Jesus raising the dead. I see Jesus loving the outcasts. This makes sense. And so, so I'm reading through the scriptures and, you know, it says that Jesus, in, in, in Hebrews, it says that he became a high priest for us. And so the role of the high priest in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant is they were going to the Holy of Holies, which is the inner court of the temple. They would go there once a year on the Day of Atonement. And when they went in there, they had to give an offering and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And that offering that they made year in and year out was for the sins of themselves and the sins of the people. Does this make sense? And that high priest was able to do that once a year. That they would go into the Holy of Holies and perform that act. And so it says in in Hebrews that Jesus actually became our high priest. It says that, that he actually once and for all went to the cross, hung on a tree. His blood was poured out. Went before the Father in the heavenly throne room. Went to the mercy seat poured out his blood for the atonement, the day of atonement was a foreshadowing of Jesus to come and made the offering. So Jesus became the offering and he did it as the high priest. So I was like so curious, like when did Jesus start moving in that? And we read, there's this amazing passage in Matthew 4 where Jesus is getting baptized. And you guys have heard me talk about this a lot. Are you guys still with me? I know I'm throwing some stuff at you. I'm just, We're, we're, we're going to get somewhere here real quick, okay? Is that Jesus, when he was baptized, it's one of my favorite passages. I think it's, it, is the, it is the, in my opinion, one of the most powerful and significant pivot points in all of Scripture is when Jesus gets baptized. Because what happens? It says that Jesus goes to John, who's baptizing other people. And you guys remember what John said when Jesus came to him? John's like, I want you to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. And then it says that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, came up, and then what happened? A few things occurred right there. It says that heaven was torn open. It says that heaven was now open over Jesus. And then what does it say about the Holy Spirit? It says the Holy Spirit came and descended on him and rested on him in bodily form like it was a dove resting on and finding a place to rest. So the heavens were torn, the Holy Spirit came and began to rest on a person. And then what the, the third thing that happened, it says what? It says a voice came from heaven and said, "This is my son, with you I am well pleased." why is that that so significant? Well, let me give you a few things about the role of a high priest. You know, did you know that the high priest in the Old Testament had to be a firstborn son? That the high priest needed to be a firstborn son? Did you know that the high priest had to go through a ceremonial washing to go before the Holy of Holies? Why do you think Jesus was baptized? He was baptized... He was was going through, he was fulfilling the Old Testament. He was going through his ceremonial washing. Because for Jesus, it was ceremonial. It wasn't needed. But he did it to fulfill what was written. You see, he came as a high priest and no one even recognized him. So at his baptism, we see the firstborn going through his ceremonial washing Then it says this. It says this in in Hebrews uh, 5. Let me flip there real quick. Are you guys still with me? Are you guys still tracking with me? Hebrews 5. It says this. It says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent people in the matters related to God. This is uh, 5 verse 1. To offer gifts and sacrifices uh, for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are gone astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins. This is the high priest, uh, as well as for the sins of people. And no one takes his honor on himself, but he receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron was. What is the next verse? Verse 5. In the same way, Jesus did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said, You are my son, and today I have become your father. This is at his baptism. He became, he, he responded, he wasn't appointed by himself. The voice, of, the voice of the Father actually called him and appointed him to be a high priest. Does this make sense? That you're not appointed a high priest of your own doing. You have to be called. Jesus, kind of sneaky Jesus, shows up and, and, and goes through everything fulfilling the law in a way that people didn't even recognize or understand, so now there's, now, now here's Jesus after his baptism, and it says that Jesus now, full of the Holy Spirit, entered his ministry. That he actually entered into the ministry of becoming, of being the high priest for a nation. Why is this important? Because when we see Jesus in the New Testament, he is our example, amen? Like, like he's not just our example, he's our invitation. Everything we read of him is an invitation for us to walk in. That it says in John 20, 21, that that as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. That you're going to do greater things. You're going to do greater works than I have. He's showing us an example of how to live with the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives as a man. And here's the thing. He lived as a son that we all love, but he also is showing us an example of priesthood. He's showing us a day in and day out example of what it looks like to, to, to be a priest. It looks like Luke 4, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty at those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Luke 4, when he read that, are you guys still with me? I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff. I promise we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna culminate somewhere, okay? It just involves context because we often don't know about priesthood. And Jesus, when he read that, it says that he closed it and sat down and said, this scripture is fulfilled in my reading it to you. And it says that everyone in the synagogue was amazed and didn't say a word. How many of you know that only the high priest could open that scroll and read it? See, Jesus didn't announce, I am the high priest, I have come. He just did it. I mean, how many of us, don't wait for a title, don't, listen, you are a royal priesthood now, and God is just waiting for those that would just begin to walk in it, They would begin to walk in that place of anointing, that, that when he read that, and it says, this is the year of the Lord's favor, and he closed, closed the scroll, how many of you know that, that the next part of that verse is the, is the day of vengeance of the Lord? He said, we're not there yet. This is where we're at right now. Currently in our present age, we're still in the year of the Lord's favor. There's going to be a day of vengeance, a day of judgment. But right now, does this make sense? We're in the day currently of the Lord's favor. Meaning the anointing of the Lord is available, that his presence is here for us to move in that priestly calling. That you're not just a son or a daughter. You see, you're a son or a daughter in the royal priesthood. You're not just a son or a daughter walking around like, yeah, Jesus is like, Jesus, like, I don't want to, I don't want to make fun. It's just so much fun, though. Is that, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, I see people all the time that are walking around, like, they have the identity thing, but they don't have the priesthood thing. And it's like the, the identity thing doesn't even belong without the priesthood thing. You get that, right? Like, like, they're not separate. That when you're a son, guess what? That means that you're rightly related to God. And guess what? That means his spirit is in you. And guess what? That means his spirit wants to get out of you as well. Because he'll never leave you. That's already, listen, the blood of Jesus is so, so permanent that you don't have to worry about being a son or daughter anymore. You already are. Now, will you enter into the priesthood? It's like, that, that's the question. is is the world is waiting for believers that are just carrying signs and wonders, that are carrying anointing, that are carrying life, that are carrying thankfulness, that are are carrying generosity, that are carrying the nature of the king through the priesthood. And so priests, the number one responsibility of priests is to minister to him so that you have something to give away. You know, have you ever seen like that, you know, when you're on the airplane and they, they do like the thing about like, if we go down in a violent crash, you know, it's like, and, and the oxygen comes down, put it on yourself first, and then put it on someone around you who might need it. You know, in the kingdom, it's like that. In the kingdom, like, you have to, you have to feed and nourish your soul to the Lord. You have to minister to him. And what you freely receive, freely give. Now, in the kingdom, spending your inheritance, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm hopping on some topics here, but listen, spending your inheritance, releasing... What is in your priesthood calling is not, does not look like how some people treat their finances, let's say. So, I, so some people treat their finances of they're going to save, 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 and they're going to build a, a really good savings. Now, none of this stuff is bad. okay? They're going to build a really good savings, and some of their family is going to get the benefit of that. But really, they're just going to keep saving and build, build an account that's never spent. Now, listen— I'm not saying go live off credit cards. (laughs) It's like, like, yeah, when Jim comes back, like, Sean said that, like, it's cool not to save money, and we just blow it. No, listen, listen. I'm just simply saying that in the kingdom, it's not like it is in finances, okay? Hear me say this. In the kingdom, you have to spend it in order to get more. Like, super important. You have to spend it, what he purchased, in order for you to get more, in order for you to be trusted with more, in order for you to see more fruit. You have to spend it. And I see so many believers that are good at ministering to the Lord, especially, like, in our movement and charismatic churches. It's like, we'll come in and just get so filled up. And it's just, you know, sheikah, Ba ba boom. And, you know, it's just, like, crazy stuff that goes on. We're going to have Todd Bentley here in a few weeks. I can't wait. Like, like this, we bring, we, like, 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 there has to be a place that you, that you receive and you have to give. You have to release. And I have news for you. There is nothing like releasing God's presence in the world around us. It is the most addicting thing in the world. When, when you see God show up and when, with somebody else who maybe is disconnected from him or just someone else is in a place of need or it can be a brother or sister, it doesn't, listen, it's just about giving. It's like this. It's like priests are so full because, listen, they're not doing the offering anymore. The high priest already did. So your duties isn't to create this offering thing. Your duties is just to come before him, be in his presence. Okay? The, the veil has been torn. There is no more temple. The Holy of Holies is now walking around inside of you. So you, so 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 to live a life where He is the priority. Listen, we have so much to give away if you're willing. If you're understanding that you're part of your royalty is part of being is that priesthood thing that that, that is that is that that's requiring of us to release to give away. Does that make sense? Part of that priesthood is giving away to those that you don't want to give to you know jesus talks a lot about like loving your enemies and some of you are like hmm where's that verse again is that new testament or old testament sounds like old doesn't sound legal in the listen jesus talks a lot of, listen you'll be tested the most in, in in your ability to give away the lord's presence to, to see him move and those that you least want to. Listen, it's really easy for Cheryl to come over to me and be like, hey, Sean, can you pray? Or Paul, or husband, Sean, can you pray for me? It's like, oh, yeah, so totally. But when someone in your life that you might not see eye to eye with about things, <clears throat> and God put you in their life, listen, that's the target for you. The the outcast, the diminished, the the, the one that you may not see eye to eye with, this is our opportunity to give away the goodness of the Lord as priests. That, 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 that Jesus, you know, our lives are supposed to look like poured, poured out wine and broken bread for the world. You know, when he did that, he was giving us a picture of what it looks like to follow him. And it doesn't mean you have to go 24-7, but part of your priesthood is about giving away to to, to those that are on the outskirts. Can I read you a few scriptures real quick? So we're just going to fly through these. Leviticus 19.33. It says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. When you are harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all of your work. When you beat the olives of your, from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. When you harvest grapes in your vineyard, do not go and do it twice. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. Does this sound familiar to what James said in verse one, one twenty, verse twenty-seven? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is to visit orphans and the widows in, in affliction, the outcast, the marginal. That priests don't have a favorite people group. Why is that important right now? Listen, priests don't have a favorite people group. We have a favorite person. His name is Jesus. And actually, everyone else is made in his image. So now I have a responsibility to minister to them if the Lord's calling me to. To recognize the voice of the Lord in that situation and respond with it. See, Jesus was constantly, listen... Look at the life of Jesus. How, how many times did he stop for the marginalized? How many times did he stop for 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 the one? You know, he would often do things like he would go to a town, and you know, the disciples are, their disciples are just they're just they're just a crazy weird wild bunch and totally disconnected from, like, Jesus who was with them. It was hilarious. But, but they would go around, and they'd be like, should we strike, like, you know, fire for them rejecting you under this, like, should we call down fire, you know? And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh, like, no, like, you don't even know what spirit you're of, like, and he's walking around with them everywhere, and he would go place to place, and they would often be, come back, and when, when, when they see Jesus, see, they misunderstood him, though they were around him often, and the people who understood Jesus are the people that just simply pulled on him because they knew that they needed him. So so I'll just give you a quick example. The woman at the well, very famous passage in John 4. You know, the disciples came back and they saw Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, and they were surprised because it was outside of their custom for Jesus, okay, a rabbi to be talking to a woman publicly by a well. They were like, they they were shocked. They, They didn't know what to make of it. You see, Jesus will stop for the marginalized because what? Because pr- the priesthood has found its way into genes. You, you have to get that. Like the priesthood in the New Kingdom found its way from an altar. And in, into genes now. Jesus would go around and, and it would do things like this. Like he talk to that Samaritan woman, and he like you know just words of knowledge, and he's like, yeah, the man you're living with isn't your husband. You've you had five, and he's not. <laughs> he ain't even married to him. And, and she's like, oh my gosh, she becomes a follower. And then, and then she goes and tells her whole town. The whole town comes back, and they convince Jesus to stay longer. Why? Because Jesus stopped for the one. He recognized the one that was marginalized. So many stories, if you read the Bible and the New, the New Testament, if you read that, you're going to see Jesus stopping all the time for those that, that you shouldn't have stopped for. Part of why, why am I highlighting that so much? Our priesthood, our royal priesthood, is for the downtrodden. It says, I've been anointed to preach good news to the poor. That we can never let the marginalized, we can never let those people who feel marginalized, even in our own life, maybe who the people that are just, they're, they're, listen, they're weird, okay? You're, you're weird to them, okay? There's people that are different. You need to make sure that there's a big place in your heart to minister to them. Otherwise, you're not walking in the New Testament royal priesthood. If we only minister to people that we're like, Jesus is like, dude, even the ungodly can love people that are like them. That our priesthood, the thing that makes our priesthood different is it's a royal priesthood from heaven to the fatherless, the widows, the orphan, the downtrodden, the outcast. Then the kingdom, we gladly look to minister to them. Am I making sense? You know, and and when when we when we get a chance to to mini, like like as ministers, as priests, as temples, like the temple is gone. You are the temple of the Lord. I'm just going to do a couple principles real quick, and we're going to wrap up. Okay, you guys okay with this? That the temple is gone, so that means that the place of worship, that place of encounter, that place of God's presence in man is now you. Okay, according to the Bible. If you disagree with that, like you know, just you know, it's in the Bible. That you are now the place of his presence. You know, the dove landed on Jesus. That dove, right? Remember the story we talked about is the presence of the Lord. Jesus is showing us as an example that because of his sacrifice, we have an open heaven over our lives and the Holy Spirit coming and resting us day in and day out. That it says in in the Old Testament that when Noah sent out the dove, the dove came back when he found some twigs. And then the third time that Noah led the dove out, do you guys remember this story? That he led the dove out, the dove didn't return. We don't see the dove land again until we see a dove land on Jesus. We don't see the dove land until the dove, meaning this, there's a picture of God waiting and waiting and waiting for the day that he could come and rest on his people. And we're in that day. That the presence of the Lord is what we get to give away to the world around us. You know, I had a friend, um, a friend of mine who went and planted a church, and uh, he would do this thing where um, he would take a job uh, at, like, God would tell him to go and work at a restaurant. In, in, like, just to be a server at a restaurant and go and plant a church. And so, so he did. So he, he totally obeyed it, and he was, he was uh, on staff at another church, and God called him to do this. Some of you are like, "Oh, thank you, Jesus." Someone responded that call. That one's taken. I don't have to do that. Okay, maybe not. Uh, he was called to go plant a church, so he goes and, and he becomes a server, and uh, he's literally just in restaurants and just working and stuff. And he would be kind of like the laughing stock of of the the, the restaurant uh, because he would just tell people about Jesus. Like he would he would minister to people and and. And, and the people that, that he got a chance to minister to had these amazing encounters. Like, a lot of them got saved. And then other people started to not like that. And they started to make fun of him a lot. And, and, and uh, they, even, they even, like, one time, uh, they had this thing where they put on these hats and crowns uh, for birthdays. And they would go out and sing happy birthday. And he would do it all the time. And they would make fun of him. They're like, oh, look, you know, you're like a king. You're Jesus. Like, they would, like, make fun of him. Like relentlessly, he just chose to continue to be there for the ones that God was calling him, that God was calling in. Okay, fast forward. He he he's making relationships, building these relationships, and uh, there was this couple there, and so he would he he, he got a chance to talk with them and uh, and and prayed for them, and they were going through some real marriage. It was a marriage, and they were going through some real marital problems. Really, really disconnected, not seeing eye to eye, just a thousand worlds apart, it seemed like. And so he would he would just get a chance to talk with them and just, you know, try to help them a little bit, and then afterwards he'd say, okay, now can we pray, and they would be like, yeah, what, it, like they had no grid, no grid for what that means. How many of you know a lot of people don't have any idea for what that means, and in and, and our definition of prayer is let's get the presence of God here, <laughs> okay, that's the simple, let's get the presence of God right now just for you to encounter his presence, okay, so, the, so he's like, yeah, let me just pray. And they're like, I don't, I don't know what that means, but okay, fine. And so he just lays hands on them and begins to pray. And then after a few minutes, it's like, okay, cool. Hey, you know, I'll see you guys like later and let me know if there's anything else I can do. They, come, they, they call him that week, later on that week. And, and, uh, and, and the guy calls him and, and his wife's on the line. And they're like, hey, um, can you do that thing for us again? And, and he's, like, he's like, what? He's like, I, I don't understand. And, and, and he, so he starts thinking of stuff he told them. And he's like, ah, uh, yeah, like, what about this? And he's, they're like, no, 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 we don't care about any of that stuff. We don't care about any of that stuff. Do that thing. And he's like, what thing? He's like, when the presence, when that thing came, he's like, he's like, you don't understand. It completely rearranged our marriage for this last week, and we realized we need that. <laughs> so he called it. So, so this guy, atheist, un- totally disconnected from God, begins to call him and just say, D- keep doing Can you do it over the phone, or do I need to come to you? Can you do that thing again? And, and finally, after a couple minutes, he realized he was talking about prayer. He, he didn't even realize that's what he was referring to. He was trying to find out what the heck they were talking about. And so finally, he's like, oh, you want me to pray? And he goes, yeah, pray. <laughs> so so, he, he, so they start, he starts praying for this couple. They start calling him. They want to meet with him. Because every time that he prays, their marriage got better. Every time that they got together, that God began to show up, that, that this simple believer just began to just pray. Listen, they're, they got saved. Like, like, major stuff happened in their lives, but it started from a place. Does this make sense? Of being willing to just minister the presence of the Lord to people. Of being willing to do that, especially for those that we disagree with. And finally, this is, is in Scripture, You know, we talk about this a lot in CSSM. You know, in Scripture, the Bible, the Bible, there is a progressive unveiling of God. So, from Genesis through Revelation, there's a progressive, escalating, this makes sense, accelerating, revealing of who God is. The problem is, our Bible is not arranged in chronological order. And so that's why when you read the Bible, Genesis, Revelation, it feels like God's like revealing himself a lot here in different ways. And then all of a sudden it's like revelation and Jesus and stuff. I don't even get, you know, but like the revelation of Jesus. Listen, if you were to rearrange the Bible and read it chronologically, there's a progressive revelation of God. Adam and Eve, they were in the garden and they walked with him in the cool of the day. You guys remember that? And then what happens is sin entered in and now they only knew his voice. Then we see the voice of the Lord dictating and directing. And this revelation, we're, we're, we're more. he's progressively being revealed through Scripture over time. If we read the Bible that way, we see this by time, chronologically. More of God is being revealed. He's being revealed for who he is. And then what happens? And then he's fully revealed in Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus shows up, fully reveals God. Then he goes on to, 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 to give to, to, to the revelation, the book of Revelation that's an unveiling of Jesus that we don't even fully comprehend yet because he hasn't done all of it just yet. So he shows us the beginning from the end. Now, keep, I won't say this. We're now in the final chapter where the revelation of God is through us, where the progressive unveiling is now has been delegated to believers. You see, he represented us on a tree so that we can now represent him to the world. That in the last days, this final chapter, this is where we're at right now. Is this place as the church revealing the presence of God to the world around us. Amen? All right. So why don't you guys just stand? Just put your hand on your heart right now. And I just want to ask Holy Spirit just to come and to stir up, just to, to, to provoke us to to move in new places and new ways in that priestly calling. You know, that priestly calling is married to our sonship. It's married to our identity. There's no separation. And so right now, Lord, I just release that over us, God, that you would draw us into new places of a priestly calling. God, to new avenues. I feel like there are some people in here that God actually has like whole people groups for you to minister to that he's going to begin to unveil, unpack, and really show you. Some of you have even felt stale in ministry, and God's going to begin to to give you a fresh lens because he's going to begin to give you a fresh people, a fresh people group, a new person, a new place, a new situation. So Father, I just release that over our lives, God, that you would break open the regularity and any ruts of our priesthood, God, and open us up God open those gates wide again holy spirit open those gates wide to your presence and to give away your presence God to the world around us we just thank you Jesus that we can have as much of you as we want that God that the veil has been torn that we come boldly before you God and into your presence and there is as much of you as we possibly want God and holy spirit i pray lord that you would just teach us Lord, and provoke us this week that you would give us one person, Lord, who is marginalized, that one person, God, to give away what we are receiving. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you, God, for what you're doing in our hearts and for introducing us, Lord, in a fresh way to a priestly calling in you, but, God, that, God, that, that healing flows out of that priestly calling, that signs and wonders, that breakthroughs flow out of that place, So, Lord, we just release that over our lives, that intimate priestly calling with you, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have our our ministry teams come forward. If ministry teams can come forward, they're going to be one with badges on. And if you haven't had anyone just lay hands and pray for you this week, you know, come on forward and let our teams. And I just encourage you to, you know, if if you're married, man, come forward and let our ministry teams pray for you both and just bless you guys both. And you know that story that I shared and that testimony of, of just receiving prayer and being saturated in that place, don't 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 let anything keep you in your seat if you just want more of that for yourself. So uh, ministry teams, yeah, come on forward and uh, Pastor Jim and Mary will be here next week. So